Hi, I'm Daniel Leakes, and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today, I have my special guest. He's the podcast host of Dead Man Talk. He's a rock star, wrestler, author. No other than Mr. Chris Tetral Blake. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on. What an intro as well. Thank you. Yes, I'm very grateful, <laughs> Mr. Chris. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you very much for having me. What is the big difference if you are an author and you are rock stars and you are wrestlers? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. So, yeah. So I wish I was a rock star. I wish I was a wrestler. I think I've gone through both of those dreams in my lifetime. I, my, my podcasting covers everything that I, I've loved, you know, my passions in life. So I, I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was growing up. It never happened. I wanted to be a rock star. You never know. That might still happen. Um, but I, I, I guess for me, I discovered my love for, you know, trying to pursue something that I wanted to do through um, my writing. I think that was the first thing that I, I tried my hand at uh, and, you know, it seemed to work. So you never know the other ones might come the rock star and the wrestler may, may become more than dreams one day who knows oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> what age uh did you learn that you are good in writing um wow so i going back to my school days i suppose um you know from about ages seven or eight upwards i my teacher's told me i had a bit of a flair for writing now my mum had a lot to do with this she would if i came home with homework that involved any kind of creative writing you know writing poems or anything like that or stories she would help me a great deal she had some great ideas um i would kind of more than plagiarize some of it i think down to probably she is responsible for writing some of my earlier pieces at school um i didn't like school though i think anything that i was made to do at school i i tended not to do when I was at home it wasn't wasn't really until I mean I left home I went to university when I was 18 um, I moved away from, from where I grew up um, to where I live now uh, when I was 21 it wasn't until probably my early 20s that I started to to branch out and think okay I may be able to have a go at these you don't necessarily have to you know to be a writer you don't have to be good enough to get into one of the the big publishing houses straight off you know everyone's got to start somewhere so it wasn't until i'm trying to think where i was now mid to late 20s that i started to actually write anything down for myself in the in the form of song lyrics i i taught myself to play the guitar from when i was 18 and okay. going back to my rock star dream i always wanted to be in a band you know or, or sing a songwriter that kind of thing so i started just to write lyrics that, well, that I was inspired it was mainly sort of heavy metal horror themed kind of stuff um that still just these songs exist I printed them off and they exist in a folder in the deepest darkest corner of my house somewhere I haven't really seen the light of day um but it was those that then spurred me into you know it sort of got wearing as it were into into writing longer things that would become you know stories and books eventually yes and i learned that you won the national novel writing month 
that's right i did yes so that was that gave birth to my first uh, my first book acolyte which um which is the main topic of our discussion today so i i started right i i always say i started writing my my fiction my novels when my wife found out she was pregnant which a lot of people find quite funny because they make the connection that knowing i was going to be a dad caused me to write the horror stories which okay, <laughs> it depends how you look at it i suppose you know but i i it all started when i i come to terms with this massive change that was going to happen and the, the, the only way that i could get rid of everything that was going on in my head is to just to start writing stuff down so i i started i had a few threads of stories you know a few short stories that in my head that were inspired by uh things that i love like horror has always been a big thing so games like red Bull, silent hill and the movies that came with them and that i i had a few stories that that were inspired by those um i didn't know what to do with them i kind of i partly started them they, they weren't really going anywhere and then i found one common thread that i could create that actually brought them all together as one story um, and it was my wife then. She discovered National Novel Writing Month. I think it was a, a random Facebook post, as most of my things tend to come from. Um, and she showed me it. And, and she was the one that really inspired me then. You know, why don't you challenge yourself to to, to carry on with this and, and turn it into something at the end, you know, something that could be considered a book? I never had the intention of having a book published out of this. It was just a challenge for me to use anyone who's not familiar with National Novel month it, it takes place in november every year the challenge is to write fifty thousand words throughout november um which is classed it is what officially is classed as a novel um to be that length so i i did that i took my stories i developed them worked on them every day through that november this was november 2014 i think it was and by the end of it i i just about a couple of days to spare i got my fifty thousand words so i I, I what they call that you you win National Novel Writing Month if you achieve that and and I got the opportunity as part of that then to they they give you like a voucher I think or they did back then that you could self publish a copy of your book um, through Amazon I'm pretty sure it was so I I wanted to do that and I thought that would be a great thing for me to have that my kids when they're born could actually I could show them you know I, I'd written something. Um, definitely it's your legacy oh wow yes yeah <laughs> and I, I wanted to I think this my whole writing came from before I started writing my stories I was trying to write a diary children it was it was try, I was trying to get all the thoughts down that was going in my head I thought I've got to get them down maybe I can give them this this diary when they're old enough definitely. they can see the kind of things that I was going through at the time I, I kind of abandoned that after a couple of weeks once my own stories you know acolytes started to come to, you know come to come to the fore so it it was yeah so so national novel writing month got me to that point but then beyond that i didn't self-publish a copy of my book like i was aiming to um and then the opportunity came along to to actually have it published properly with an indie, with an independent publisher so let's talk about your book one yes uh, so why do you call it the Voldemort apocalypse trilogy okay so so yeah the the whole trilogy in a nutshell um, it's called the Wildermore Apocalypse because I've based it in a, a fictional, like moorland county community um, in the UK. I, I live about ten minutes from the moors, where I, um, beautiful, barren, 
you know, place, you know, you can just go up and get lost for hours and hours. And I wanted somewhere, this basically came from my fascination with the, the Mayan prophecy that the world was going to end in 2012. When it was back in, I don't know, I think it was 2010, um, I first heard about this, this prophecy. And obviously as it was getting closer to 2012, I was becoming more and more, I'd, I'd say I was obsessed with the idea, I suppose, because I just, you know, in my head, it was like, wow, something could actually be happening. Um, which would change the world, you know, is the world going to end? You know, I was reading up on all these books and, and, and what the prophecy was. And it came to, I was at work, the, the, the date that is linked to, you know, being the date that the Mayans apparently predicted the end of the world as it would be, was the 21st of December, 2012. I was, I was going about my day on, on that day, kind of in my head, one, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Um, learning about Nothing happened, and I was back at work the next day on the twenty second of December, thinking in a in a weird way, what a, what an anticlimax! <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the world yeah. is kind of how I left it. So that I kept thinking then, well, what if something had happened? Some, but it was happened somewhere in the world that was really quite remote um, that we didn't see the effects of straight away, but something, some sort of cosmic shift had happened somewhere, you know, far away from from where most people live so that's where i started to develop the idea of wildermore being this community which is you know easily a couple of hours away from the nearest city the community of themselves they keep themselves to themselves they, they you know everything happens within these small collection of towns um so i thought i'm, I'm going to set something there and i'm going to i'm going to tell a story of of this thing that i could I, I could imagine had happened in 2012 that would bring about, uh, you know, eventually the, the, the apocalypse, you know, maybe the end of the world, but you know, it's not yet hit the rest of the world. No, nobody thinks anything's happened, but it could it happened in this really remote place. So, so that's, that's, that's the kernels of the idea that, that gave way. It was going to be one book originally, and then it grew and grew. And I was like, I need to stretch it out. I've, I've got too many ideas here. I need to probably pad it out to be a trilogy. So, what is the meaning of the title of book one? So, ac acolyte. Um, so, acolyte by definition is um, it's a very biblical word, and there is a lot of sort of religious connotations to the story. Um, the uh, I don't want to go too far down the spoiler route. I struggle sometimes to sum these stories up because there are so many layers in this trilogy into each book. But the, the essence of the idea is it stretches over um, two or three um, time periods. So it starts off in, uh, I think, 2000, 2001. It goes back as it's telling the story and up to 2012. I'm actually telling the backstory as we go along as well, which goes back to the late 1600s. And um, the, the late 1600s over here in the UK, um, there was there was a lot of upheaval sort of in uh, politics, parliament, religion. There was, um, you know, different forms of religion starting to come through and people telling people how they should worship and what they should believe. So my... The center of the story is a is a group of priests um, who have been forced out of their churches in Wildermore because they would not adopt the new way um, of worship. They wouldn't 
uh, wouldn't they refused to adopt the new beliefs. They wanted to to wreak revenge on those who had wronged them, and and they're they're led by a, um, a guy called um, Father Archibald. I think his name is just a long time since I've revisited this book actually. And his idea is to basically take over the world, and he turns to dark forces in order to, to do it. So he sets in motion back in the late 1600s ways of um, summoning um, an evil from pretty much from the depths of hell, which will then grow over the next few hundred years and give way to whatever will happen in then the early 2000s, which would bring about the end of the world. So I wanted, I, I didn't decide to call it Acolyte straight off. I don't think I had an idea of what I wanted to call it until um, as I was writing it, I realized one of the central characters was coming through and he is, he was a follower of the main, of Father Archibald, the, the one that leads um, the this group of priests called the Council of Eternal Light. Um, and it's it's through his dedication to this group and this man that his his own downfall comes. Um, and acolyte, the meaning of acolyte is you know in the in the biblical sense, the religious sense, is a follower. So I it really was born out of that because the, the main story we're telling in this, particularly in acolyte, is the is how this evil presence um, came about, and it is linked to this this one man. Sounds interesting. <laughs> it's it's a hard one. It's a hard one to, to put in a nutshell, like I say. So. Yes. <laughs> so if you have a five adjectives, can you describe acolyte? Wow, that's a that's a tricky one. I'm not sure to be honest. So there is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of horror in there. Um, so I say it's it is sort of you know terror. I suppose you know there's there's, there's evil forces wreaking havoc in there. Um, there is a sense of I've not really got love stories going on in this one. I will say in my books that there, there tends to be sort of hints at, at sort of humanity happening, but but not a lot of it. Um, so there is probably a hint of, of sort of love, devotion. You know, the family is in there. You know, of, of some of the characters in these books do things they didn't think they were going to because they they want to keep their family safe and their their own mortality as well. I, th I think the whole the whole point of the uh, impending apocalypse is it faces us all with our own impending mortality at some point and in um intrigue i like to keep you know i like to keep the reader guessing in these books uh for sure you know not not trying to spell out exactly what's going to happen i try to make try to make sure the plot lines aren't too obvious before they happen um yeah i don't know how many i'm up to there to be honest with you it's it's a difficult one that <laughs> <laughs> So how many days and months you wrote this book? Oh, this one in particular. So Acolyte, um, oh, in all, I think probably here and there, it probably took me about, it, it was written over a span of about six months. Most of it happened during that November. So I, I think the end product of Acolyte, it was about 80, 80 to 85 words. So 50,000 words of that was was written in that Um the, the the little bits that I had before that and like the bit that I added to it at the end and the further editing and that probably took place over a few months after that. It wasn't something I, I labored out sort of all the hours of the day because I was doing it around my day job. So I probably only had about an hour a day to dedicate to it. So, so yeah, I would say easily sort of over a period of about six months. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> 
what can you say about the character of uh, the book itself, Acolyte? So actually, like the character in the, the the main character in the book, you mean? Sort of. Yes. Okay. So so again, the the great thing I think in this, there's not one central character. There's one. Say there's there's one that one main one probably would be the character of the Reaper, which, as it sounds, is is the is the more ominous figure that kind of hovers above the whole trilogy this is the the evil kind of entity that has come about from the council of eternal misdealings almost with you know darker forces um he uh, he appears to certain people he is as you would expect a terrifying figure only really see him he, he's he, he wears a a black cloak and a hood he's got red eyes that kind of you know burn in the darkness that kind of thing um if, if for those who do tend to see him his his appearance is very is, is of someone who has lived in fire essentially you know very kind of you know burnt charred very scarred person if you can call him that um so that's the main the main kind of character that runs throughout it and it's it's origins it's his origin story which is told in acolyte mostly um on the on the flip side, the agonist is in Acolyte, the main uh, good guy, as it were, would be um, a guy called Truman Dark, who is the uh, the chief detective inspector of the local Wildermore police. Um, and he finds himself embroiled in in all of these these bad things that are happening. Really, by doing his day job, he's trying to catch a certain criminal um, who's responsible for a lot of a lot of horrible murders within Wildermore and he's, he's trying been trying for years to capture this guy and eventually finds himself as a, a lead suspect in in this criminal's murder um so the other half of acolyte is really almost like his escape his exile and and his him realizing his own links to what has happened sort of 300 years previously and sort of how he's now you know sort of caught up in 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 the dark stuff that's about to come and who or what you inspired you the most in writing this book oh um so aside i suppose from my unborn children which i mean they were born by the time i actually started writing most of this i mean they gave me the inspiration to want to write and at the beginning they were the ones that really it was it was their imminent arrival that that sort of lit this this passion you know to write but in terms of style content um james herbert was a massive influence on me um his writing style i've tried to not replicate because i don't think you can replicate greatness like that i think it's it's taking what i can from his style of writing and trying to make it my own so it's, it's his directness if you ever read any of james herbert so there's there's no dancing around the points you know if something horrific's going on or something bad is he, he says it as if it's an everyday occurrence and it's that kind of raw honest writing style that i i wanted i didn't want to kind of you know lose too much time with you know words when i can i can have the same impact with literally a few um and the, the main basis of the story comes from all of my my horror influences so things that i mentioned like you know resident evil and silent hill series um those kind of dark dreary creepy places that come up in them um i was a great lover of friday the 13th and the halloween films so you know a, an homage if it will to um 
to all of those sort of things all kind of you know coming into one i think it's that 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 i touched on really it's his directness i think the one thing i've struggled with with stephen king is firstly a lot of the books i've wanted to read is absolutely huge um whilst i'm a writer i'm i've never been i am more so now but i've I've struggled with reading um and finding time to read and and my attention span so when i'm I'm faced with a, a a big book i I'll be intimidated from the off and I probably won't see it through. Whereas James Herbert's stuff, I think you can pick them up and they're a lot more digestible. And like I say, he, he can get the same, he can evoke the same horror, if not more within me and the sense of dread and terror and that really cold feeling that you can get from reading a really good horror story. He can do it with such fewer words, have that knack for being able to just, just know how to tap into those emotions very very quickly and Stephen King I felt he his writing did start to it does tend to wander a little bit too much for me um he can go off in one direction which you know you kind of lose sight sometimes of the main sort of plot point I think and I I struggle with that so I, I would I would just really down to yeah I would say just the the talent of James Herbert to be able to to get his point across a lot more concisely. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. So how do you describe your writing in one word? In one word? Oh, jeez. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, I really don't know. Um, I mean, to, to take some of the things that I've I've taken from some of my reviews, I suppose, you know, chip a lot of people tend to um tend to use that to, to describe my stories because i do like that whole the the feel that something is going on but you don't know what but you know it makes you feel uncomfortable um i've really enjoyed that and i've in some of my other stories i've i've touched on fears of my own and been able to really bring forth you know what scares me about these things and and just trying to put that down in words so yeah i would, I would say if anything i'm i'm absolutely rubbish at talking about and trying to sell my own my own work really and, and so uh i rely on what other people tell me so i'll go with that one okay i think uh i'm gonna interview mr richard Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I've got to give him a shout out, Richard. He's 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 uh he helped put this together today. So thank you for him. He has been a massive support and a massive inspiration for me. We we met um at the the we had the first we had the same first publisher. So when it was first uh published with with Bloodhound Books, the same as Minstrel's Bargain was, and and he's been there since day one for me. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, uh, uh, yeah, get his take on, on Acolyte so, and the other stuff, so, absolutely. So if you're given a chance to revise again the book, which part of the book you want to change it? Oh, uh, yeah, they, you know, this is something that I've gone, I have gone through a little bit lately um, because I, I, I've had Acolyte out with a few publishers, few indie publishers, um, to varying group degrees of success. And this year, earlier this year, I decided I was going to bring I, I was just going to bring it back. I've self-published it before in the past, and I thought I've, I'm at this stage where I, I I want it, and I want to do what I want to do with it. My biggest quandary was, do I change it? Um, this being my first book, there is a lot in there I think I could improve. Um, I think one of the main things is I really struggled because I I don't plan any of my my books. I still don't. I'm more of what they call a pantser. You know, I'll sit down 
in front of a computer with my laptop, you know, notebook, whatever. And I'll just write what comes to my head. And this is, like I say, I didn't have the vision for Acolyte to even be published, let alone be a trilogy when I was writing it. And I think I kind of lost my way in certain places with the timeline. Because um, like I say, I'm trying to tell the story across two very different timelines, almost at the same time. And I think there probably are some inconsistencies in there. Um, if we are just talking about Acolyte, you know, we can talk on, on other episodes about the, the rest of the trilogy. There's probably other stuff I would pull out for them. But with Acolyte, it's probably, yeah, I would, I would want to hone my skills actually planning it out to make sure everything you know all the timeline did flow like it's supposed to um like i said I've gone back this time when i've just before i re-released it a few weeks ago and changed the effort changing it but i think i heard richard say the same as well about minstrel's bargain in one of his chats with you it's kind of it's kind of as it is this is what it was at the time um i think i just need to let it live as it is flaws and all um but but that that be it probably yeah it's just just really i know that there are inconsistencies with the timeline i reckon in some places so what did you learn in writing acolyte exactly that really <laughs> people have <laughs> a planner probably but no i think i think yeah again not to too much but he he hit the nail on the head when he was talking about his book um his first book you i, I did learn straight away that being a published author is is only the beginning it's not you and that's really where the hard work starts um i had delusions i suppose that knowing what i was going to have a book out there that i was going to be able to give up my job and and you know live on make a living from writing that's very much not the case um so very quickly get it was that baptism straight away of, of this is what's expected you know and it, it, as much as the writing was such a, a blast i absolutely loved in this book what came afterwards in terms of getting the message out there and publicizing it marketing it getting people to know it's there that's really that's really where the difficulties lie um and it's something i've i've then when i by the time i came to do the follow-on which which was my uh to talk about the the sequel to this um i self-published that but that was the first book i self-published and i already had knowledge about how things worked about the industry and, and what to expect and what pitfalls to try and avoid, really just from my experience with this book. Sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting journey. It's interesting yeah. journey, mister. Give us the best highlight. Oh, the best highlight. Um, my favorite part of this book, um, again, not giving spoilers away or anything like that, but there's, there's one film I give a nod to, and I, I have, I, I like to do this. I'm doing it in, in another book as well, which is, it follows on from the World of More Apocalypse trilogy. So it's a bit of a theme. One of my favorite films, one of my favorite scenes in, in film is from uh, Star Wars, uh, Revenge of the Sith. When you, you get that, that whole play out at the end of uh, Anakin, as he becomes Darth Vader, you see the change in him. You see him go from this good guy that you knew from the other films and all of a sudden you see him become this really dark character. I have a scene like that, which is almost like a tribute, kind of. It's, it's not it's not a rip-off or anything like that. It was inspired heavily by that part of, of Revenge of the Sith where you see this central character and how he becomes the Reaper. Um, 
I absolutely I knew I wanted to do that. And it was the bit of the book that I I couldn't wait to get to. You know, I didn't I didn't write it out of sequence. So I, I knew I, I had to wait to get to this part. And it was one, I think, which was almost one of the most emotional parts. You 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 get a, a, a glimpse of how evil this this Reaper is, this force is. But as the story goes on, you get to know why and how he came about. And I think when you reach that part towards the end, yeah, that's it's a bit of a sweet spot. What so. is the moral lesson of Acolyte? Moral? I don't know that there is one. If I'm honest with you, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's a really, it's, 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 um, well, don't meddle with dark forces would be the obvious one, I think, because you know it's it's really what these guys, what these guys do, um, that is going to unleash hell uh, on on. Wildermore eventually um i say stay strong to your beliefs so if i'm if i'm gonna have to go either way it's probably something because everyone in this book acts in a way that they think you know is in accordance to them and what they think is is right even the guys that unleash this evil they they had a reason for it and um i think it's that you know bad um if you've got beliefs you know stick by them do what do whatever you feel you have to do to um you know to to make your point <laughs> i'm not telling people to yes. go out and start ending the world um but but apart from that i don't know that there is there probably is towards the end of the trilogy more of a moral but for acolyte it's really it's it sets the groundwork for what's about to come but it's very much based on people's beliefs and and their their willingness to almost die for those beliefs wow yeah very okay. well said <laughs> mr chris <laughs> So go. where do people buy your books? Um, you can find them on Amazon. Um, I think that's that's the so Acolyte in particular is one like I mentioned. Um, I have just recently re-released, um, self-published under my my own publishing um, name of, of Dead Men's Tales Publishing, hence where Dead Men Talk podcast comes from. Um, but you can find it on Amazon. It's available for Kindle at the moment. I am going to be re-releasing it as a paperback eventually. Uh, I want to get all three books out there. Um, on kindle first so that people can can start enjoying them as quickly as possible um i think my other books you will be able to find other places you know if you put my name into things like barnes and noble waterstones things like that but the main the main place you'll find me is on amazon yes and we're going to talk about your book two and book three yes. on the following week sounds let's, good can't wait yeah let's empower a writer like mr chris give them support they give their best. So let's Sweet. support them, people. And That's shout right. out to the people listening in Ghana. I'm number 42. And thank you so much. Kenya in Kenya. I'm number 66. Jamaica at number 67. Myanmar on 119. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Oh, well done. Well done. And uh and Singapore at 141. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Chris. What else you can say about Acolyte? Um go out and buy it, really, if I'm gonna say anything. <laughs> um no, no, if you if you enjoy particularly, you know, this time of year, dark nights are rolling in, it's perfect to have a dark book to go along with it. So um, if you if you like, you know, James Herbert, Stephen King, Clive Barker, I've been compared to as well, you know, something with a bit of a creep factor and one that, that I have been told uh, you'll struggle to put down or read with the lights off, then definitely start with Acolyte. Um, if you like it, there's, there's more to come. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. 
definitely. If you have a movie contract, is it the same uh title of the book or you want to change it? No. Oh, that is a great question. I love that. Um, I wouldn't want to, to be honest. Now, it, I, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about this over and over about whether it'd be picked up you know for film rights and whatever it all depends you know if if someone wanted to, to release it as a trilogy i would be like no please keep the title because i love the title and I, I i you know it's one that just came to me one day it's one that i didn't really have to think about and it links perfectly to the book if they felt the need to just wrap it up in one book uh the whole trilogy in one movie uh yeah probably fine you know we'll come to some arrangement but no no if it went out as it is please don't <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so calling out Netflix, Apple, Amazon. There we go. There we go. I will also say that Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England, I got the pleasure of meeting it uh, oh, a few wow. years ago. And I, I gifted him a copy of the book. And I've actually got a great picture of um, I did a photo up with him. And he is he's there at Freddy Glove as well, reading my book, looking shocked as anything. And so I was kind of hoping something might come of that. But there we go. Never mind. Yes. Calling out there. Come yeah. on, let's try <laughs> Mr. Kree's uh, trilogy. It's one of a kind, better than Lord of the Ring. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Absolutely. Okay, Mr. Kree's, thank you so much. Talk thank to you, you next week. Thank you, Daniel. Look forward to it. Morning, people. See you soon.